Jasmine. And I'm Nora. Hi, Jasmine, and hi, Nora. I've done a lot of research on you, and yes. I got very inspired. So I have Thank a you. lot of questions to ask you. And all right. I'm here to help. <laughs> so we're all girls considered, and what we want to ask you for today is when you entered the Boston Marathon, did you have any regret on doing it? The question is, did I have any regrets about the Boston Marathon entering yes. it? Absolutely not. I thought, oh, this is so great. I'm really excited about it. And my coach really insisted that I officially enter. That was the important thing because it, it's against the rules to just jump in a race. You need to pay your entry fee. You mm. need to uh, get your, you know, your, your information in. In this case, I had to take a doctor's certificate with me. So I had to do all of those things. Plus, you have to pay your entry fee. Mm-hmm. You know, that supports the race. So it's very, very important. So I had no regrets about entering it at all. And even when, and I know you're going to ask me this question next about the ugly incident with the race official, uh-huh. even when that happened, I had no regrets because I was so determined to finish it. And also, let's let's face it, I mean, the Boston Marathon was my dream. I mean, I was 20 years old. I had trained yeah. hard for it. It was my dream. I was there. Well, if you didn't have any regrets, were you nervous at all about it? I think I would have been nervous. Me too. Absolutely. Sure. Every, I think everybody is nervous before a marathon anyway. Let's face it. It's 26 miles, 385 yards. So it's a long way and a lot of things can go wrong. And on this particular day, it was freezing cold and snowing and icing and headwind. So it was a miserable day. And, um, I was prepared because I was from Syracuse, New York, you know, and that's the coldest place in the United States. Um, but Was I nervous about my acceptance in the race? Sure. I was nervous about that too. But when I got there, all the men said, oh, it's great that you're here. I wish my wife would run. I wish my girlfriend Mm -hmm. would run. So they were very welcoming to me. That was great. Do you still in 2018 run in the marathons? Yes. Um, I had an amazing year last year, you guys. Um, Last uh, uh, April 2017, I ran the Boston Marathon again for my 50th anniversary. Can you imagine that? And that made me the first woman ever to run a marathon 50 years after she first ran one. Now, that that's not like doesn't make me great. It just shows you how few women ran 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt so good about that race and it went so well that I then uh, ran the New York City Marathon a few months later in November. So last November 2017, I ran the New York City Marathon. And that was cool because that was 43 years after I won it. So wow. I was really happy about that. Yeah. And uh, then again, uh, just a few months ago in April uh, of this year, I ran the London Marathon. And so there are reasons for all of these events. Mm-hmm. Boston was because it was my 50th anniversary. New York, because I had won it before and I wanted to go again through the streets of New York. When I won it, it was in Central Park. The race was in the park. Mm-hmm. It was actually a harder race because there are more hills. But um, I uh, wanted to run through the streets. And I'd been on the back of a motorcycle for 28 years doing doing the broadcast of the race. So I'd never run through the streets. And then in London, it was really important because, first of all, United Kingdom this year is celebrating 100 years of giving women the right to vote, wow. which is before the United States is. And they were leading the suffragette movement. And the uh, so this year was the 100th anniversary. Um, I was in shape to run it. And I'd been to London for the marathon many times as a journalist. But the most important thing was, is that 
I had organized uh, the first ever women's marathon on the streets of London in 1980, Mm -hmm. the year before the London Marathon was founded. So our race was a test model for the London Marathon. And most people don't know that, that the women in 1980 were sort of the a design uh, for what became the London Marathon. Yeah. But more importantly, for you guys to know, is that that was the race that convinced the International Olympic Committee to put the women's marathon into the Olympic Games. Um, we yeah. proved in that one race, we had 27 countries and five continents. We had our international requirement. We had submitted, submitted medical evidence, and we had really super performances. So no longer could the International Olympic Committee say no to the women's marathon, and they voted it in for 1984, which was really huge. So I wanted to be there to celebrate. You know, you never know in your life um, if you're going to have another opportunity to do something. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important to take the opportunity um, when you have it in hand. This is a good thing to remember. You know, if, if you are ready for that test and it could be either tomorrow or the day after, mm-hmm. go, go, go tomorrow. Do it right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, same, same with sports because anything can happen. Everything can change. Look at this. This is my old bib number from the Boston yeah. Marathon. Isn't that cool? That's, Let's, wow. Isn't that amazing? See the corner that's torn off? That's uh-huh. where the official tore it off. And here it is on my shirt. See where the, with the corner torn off here? Mm-hmm. 261. Who would ever imagine that my bib number and a race mm-hmm. would become a, a nonprofit, a foundation that's around the world helping women? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because people themselves began writing to me and telling me that that number made them feel fearless in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. So 261, we decided to make a nonprofit, and we make it an organization that we reach out around the world to help girls and women to become fearless simply by putting one foot in front of the other. I don't know if you guys run. Are you runners? Any of yes, you? I do run. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do. Well, you know, every day you run, you feel like you have a victory forever, don't you? Yes, I do. I feel okay. like I'm free. So. Yeah. So, so you, you have that feeling, and you say, hey, if I can do that, I can do anything. How did it feel to be able to inspire so many people? That sounds amazing. Well, you know, not at first did I inspire people. At first, a lot of people thought I was an idiot and and a crank. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just knew I felt so great. And actually having the support of the men was terrific because they all understood running. I knew other women would run if they only had an opportunity. And most women didn't have the opportunity. And this is why it's really important for you guys to remember this, is that talent's everywhere. So, you know, you don't know if you can be a nuclear physicist, right? Yes. Right. But, but, but if you have the opportunity to try and you like the math and you like the, the physics and you like all the stuff that goes with it, you know, you can be a nuclear physicist. Why not? It's just that, you know, you just need to try and have the opportunity. But mm-hmm. if somebody says, no, 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 you know, you've got to be a nurse. You can't be a, a nuclear physicist. Well, then you don't have any options. So you need the options. So we have to give people those options. And um, so... When I began creating programs and opportunities for women and they began coming out, it was awesome for Mm -hmm. me to see them really have their eyes open and feel so great about themselves and feel astonished about their own capability. And um, and that's just really steamrolled. So, you know, there are more of all the runners in the United States, 58 percent of them now are women. So that's very, very exciting to me because it doesn't mean anymore. It's a, about sports. It's a, it's a social revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gained any close friends from running? Oh, sure. All my best friends are from running. My best is my husband. 
<laughs> I met him through running, but not at, at not running in, 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 per se. We weren't actually running. We were we were speaking together at a big event in Australia. Wow. And um, and but it was it was a race, and mm-hmm. um, and the next day he ran the race, and I was there organizing. So. Uh, running is is the thing that brought us together and it's one of the things that's kept us together because it's um, you know if you understand what it's like and you understand how important it is um, Mm -hmm. then then that's a a common denominator in your relationship how did you know that your husband was the one when you first met him well it's really interesting Um, some people fall in love at first sight Mm -hmm. and I fell in love at first voice because he started talking and he was so funny and so witty and he has so much substance that um, I couldn't help but fall in love with him. It was instant. <laughs> I get that. I like people who are funny too. Yeah. Did you enjoy your, did you enjoy high school and elementary? You know, in elementary school, uh, first of all, you got to understand, I, I always struggled in school because mm-hmm. my parents started me at age five. Mm-hmm. And I was always with people who were at least a year older than I was. So I was always behind. And, you know, you think that doesn't matter. You think that a child can can um, can learn just as fast. But, m- you know, mentally um, I was OK. But but um, but physically I wasn't. I was I was a year younger and therefore always smaller or always skinnier or always whatever. And um, when I went to high school, this was really critical because in um, in my day, they didn't have um, middle schools. So mm-hmm. high school was eighth grade. And in eighth grade, I was only 12 years old. So, you know, I was surrounded by kids who were 16, 17, 18 in my classes. And I mean, I just felt like out of it. But the thing that saved me was my running. Because my dad had said, you know, that I should run a mile a day. And if I ran a mile a day, I'd make the field hockey team in my high school. And I did. I was, you know, I really believed everything my dad said. And so I ran this mile a day and I became a a pretty good runner. But what what was really great is about I never got tired playing field hockey and everybody else did. So I became one of the best players, even even when I was only about 13. So I, I felt like I had something I could really contribute. And it made me feel proud of myself. So that gave me a sense of self-esteem and the confidence I needed when I was having a tough time in algebra or trigonometry or solid Mm -hmm. geometry or calculus, all of these things. Oh, my God, that were just so above my head. But, you know, I managed to get through them um, because running taught me another really important lesson, Mm -hmm. which was you never give up. And I was extremely persistent. So if you could hold on to one memory from your life forever, what would it be? When I was running the Boston Marathon last year at mm-hmm. age 70, um, when I went to the start line, I was I was extremely well-trained, but yeah. um, I was really exhausted. There had been an avalanche of media, and the pressure was enormous because no woman had ever done this. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody knew me, but everybody was excited and supportive of me. That's, that's what made the difference. In 1967... Except for the except for the men in the race, most people were really really hard on me. You know, they didn't want a woman running. I mean, mm-hmm. the official even attacked me in the race because I was a woman. So the whole race in '67, you know, people on the sidelines, some were great, but a lot of them were not. And um, and afterwards, I was treated very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. I was okay. I was expecting that, but 
2017, 50 years later, everybody loved me being there. Yeah. And they were holding signs by their hundreds and cheering and had mothers that are out there with their little girls saying, come on, Catherine's coming by. Here she comes. Oh, my God. And um, I stopped and I hugged more kids than you can imagine. And um, I was cheered by so many thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. Um, and um, I was so tired at the start of the race. I was very nervous if, if I was really you know, going to hold up. I thought maybe I would, you know, collapse or faint or something. But actually, my body got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Every mile got faster and better. And pretty soon, we were really cooking. And um, But I kept stopping for interviews. I did eight interviews. I stopped 13 times and hugged people. Um, and still, my time at the finish was only 20 minutes slower than when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. So that was really amazing. And the, the amazing feeling of coming into the finish line, uh, looking down at the finish line and seeing, you know, the big jumbotron with my whole finish mm -hmm. and and hearing them announce us for, you know, the last mile. Mm -hmm. We could hear it, you know, in, over the buildings. Um, and to look down at the finish line and see my husband down there was a total surprise because I wow. thought he was still going to be working in the press room because he was working as a journalist, uh -huh. okay? And the... Um, president of the Boston Athletic Association was there, and it, and she's a woman, and she's the first woman president in 135 years wow. of the Boston Athletic Association. So to have her and my husband, my whole team, meet me at the finish, and you know, a sea of TV cameras, feeling absolutely great, um, best best day of my life to know that women had reached equality. Uh, on, on the streets of Boston, that the revolution was complete, that we had passed the torch to your generation and yes. your moms. And um, that was great. I felt I felt like, um, okay, God, I can die now. You can take me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> it was the best. It was the best day of my life. No question. Well, is the happiest moment of your life and also the saddest? Well, I told you about the happiest, yeah, you know, so like the coming coming down the finish line. Oh, the saddest. Oh, I don't think I want to tell you that, but um, probably when my mother died. You know, oh, I mean, no. listen, my mother was 85. She had a wonderful life. I was with her, mm -hmm. um, but still you never get over it. And um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, still think about it. I think about her every single day. And the nice thing is, is I talk to her every single day. So. Would you like to Oh, that reminds me of my mom's mom. She had told me about her, how her mom had died of cancer, and she said, Jazz, um, all the stuff you watch on YouTube, anything scary, movies you see, it's so easy to get over, but death is really hard. I think I'm just now getting over it, is what she told me. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, and you, you really never get over it, you know? Um, and But you could, you come to peace with it, I think. And it took me a long time to come to peace with my mother's death, even though it was, a, you know, it was an inevitability. And, and then, you know, at 85 and she had cancer, I mean, there's nothing you can do. And mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I was just I'm now coming to terms with the fact that how lucky I am to have had her as long as I did. I was really lucky. And, and we had a great time together. So that's another thing that I think you know, you guys should realize is that sometimes it, as young women and teenagers in particular, you get kind of snippy with your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know, just be friends. You guys can have so much fun. So you should do that. 
Yeah, I normally, right now, um, I just asked my mom if, you know, we could, like, have um, two days of a talk, like, have, you know, let's say coffee, and then we talk on how our day was, and, you know, just catch up, and she's like, I think that's a beautiful idea, and I'm like, you know. Yeah, go do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just go do it. Um. Yeah, I think I'm really, like, best friends with my mom. Like, we talk about everything. I don't keep any secrets from her. I really like my mom. She's the one person I really admire. Yeah, I I think my mom kept some secrets from me because it was a little different time. Mm -hmm. You know, there were things I think she thought were inappropriate to talk about, you know, like sex, which annoys me now. I really, (laughs) you know, I think when you're, when you're um, really wanting answers and you ask for it, and I was always asking her, and she'd say, oh, you'll find out later, la, la, la. You know, I wanted to find out right then. <laughs> yeah. What did you do for fun other than running? Can I tell you about what I did yesterday? Yes, yeah. go ahead. Okay, all right, you won't believe this. Does the name <laughs> Gloria Steinem mean anything to you? Well, arguably, she's probably the leader of the, the feminist movement in the 60s and 70s. Uh-huh. Uh, powerhouse of a woman, fantastic. So you guys Google her up, okay? I will. And never seemed to lose her composure when things were getting very, very rough with the, the women's liberation movement. Yesterday, uh, they, they have an off-Broadway play in New York City uh-huh. about her life. Uh-huh. And they in the second act, they bring in the audience for a, what they call a talking circle so people uh-huh. can, t- can talk and participate and they have a outstanding woman um at every performance who comes in as a guest and she leads the talking circle Mm -hmm. and yesterday it was me so there i was at a play about my great heroine and i was a part of the part of the experience Mm -hmm. it was really fantastic i think we have one more question to ask for the girls out there listening to this podcast uh is there anything you want to say oh yes Here's what I want to tell them, that they are probably the worst judges of their capability, mm-hmm. that they need to do something to take the next step, that you, they should do something where they challenge themselves. Mm-hmm. They'll accomplish that. And then when they do that, they'll say, OK, I can take the next step. You only can make progress like that and have a sense of fearlessness and capability when you keep going and take the next step, take the next step, the next step. But you have to take the first step. Mm -hmm. So it's like telling somebody who says, I think I want to try running. I said, okay, let's start with getting your shoes on. Okay? You got to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So everybody listening, put on your shoes, get going.